You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. Today, we're talking to Chris and Bernie Chin Lee. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, Aixa. Why don't you guys start us off by introducing yourselves, tell us where you guys are from, and then kind of your story about how you met. We can go from there. All right. Um, I am Bernadette Chinley, and my husband is Christopher Chinley. And yeah, you get to introduce yourself later, don't worry. <laughs> and we are from Trinidad and Tobago, as we see in Trinidad, born and bred in Trinidad and Tobago. And it, it's a great society because family is very much the core of the society. Um, everything is around family. Weekends, everything that you do is family, family, family. Um, how did we meet? Huh. Um, I think the women are the one who give the guys permission to make the move. That's what <laughs> I think. And so, yeah, I gave him permission by hitting him with a volleyball three times on his chest. <laughs> what an okay, introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go now. We, we were, well, so I have to say my Yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I'm Christopher, who was just introduced by my wife, Bernadette, which has probably been the story of my life, always introducing me to everybody. And yes, we, we actually, she left out a very important part. We did not formally meet, but she did show up at my mother's house one carnival week. And that's where I first saw her. And then we started playing, we were playing volleyball at uh, a place called the Chinese Association in Trinidad. And that's where she was on the other side. I was on the other side of the net. Yeah, and that's how I got hit with the ball. Not because I wasn't looking. She was deliberately aiming for me. I I have no idea how it happened. Definitely the angel did it. Definitely. <laughs> that, that angel has lost his uh, job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat that those three moves I did, I was serving and three of them went smack on his chest. Straight at me. <laughs> <laughs> after that. <laughs> So did that immediately result in a date or did you guys start dating a little later? Did you need any more convincing, Chris? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't remember. I, I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't quite remember exactly. She, you know, it is true that, um, you know, women have the memories of the family. So <laughs> she is the one that will remember the particulars of, of the first time that we, I'm not quite sure if we'd call it so much a date because in front of that we also move around in groups, in, in groups you know mm-hmm. so there was a common group of friends between the two of us that ent- ended up introducing us in a, in a more formal way and that's how we actually get to we meet to each, know other. each other yeah because his cousin I was windsurfing with his cousin I showed up in his house with his cousin. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how we met as yes. well. So how old were you guys when you met? Uh, 21, 22. No way. I was 20, I was 21, 22. He doesn't remember. See? Yeah, that, that can't be right, Mom. <laughs> well, we got married like a year and a half later. So I know. 22. You know, no way. And then I went away to see if he would pine for me. Ah, naturally. <laughs> yeah, and I sent him lots of letters in my whole five-week journey vacation in Europe. You know, he didn't send me because I was in a moving <laughs> location. Yeah, I didn't know the address of the van. And it would probably yeah. hard to get particular address at any one time yeah, and we didn't yeah. have gps we didn't have gps to find them yeah, so yeah. it was difficult but um yeah we, we that's how we moved around 
a bit mm-hmm. and that's how we got to know each other better and then as we we went out to places as groups and we we went there it eventually resulted I, I don't remember the particular first one when we did it by ourselves I think I was supposed to pick her up and I forgot her something <laughs> like that I'm glad you mentioned it <laughs> so when did yes, you know you he- wanted to marry her Chris when did you know you wanted oh. to marry Bernie and she said I was ready. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a better question. Bernie, when did you let him know it was time to start thinking about that? <laughs> um, well, it was kind of like, yeah, we went out on several weekends with groups and so forth. We went by our family and we would like, um, I think we should get married. And he's like, yeah, we should get married. And yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> But, so how uh, long was it, the time frame between like it's three volleyballs? I, I came, I went, I was in the United States at the time when I flew back home to to, to help up my family and the family's businesses. And uh, we met that that in 1988. That very, 1988. within a week of him landing. No, in no, 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 and um, and then we literally got married. So we were scheduled to be married eventually when we got engaged and everything else. We were supposed to get married in September. Um, Bernie picked, um, you know, picked a particular day in September, which is a public holiday because she wanted our anniversary to be on a public holiday. <laughs> and then our parents told us, um, no, well, you know, you are the oldest because I'm the oldest on my mom's side. Mm. And they wanted uh, all these nephews and nieces and aunts and uncles to come down so september is a terrible month because everybody's in school mm. so rather than push it back further my no, wife, no, no. your mother expected me to move it to december well as i said it, yeah yeah and she didn't do that i moved it to july so she moved <laughs> up two months so everything gets compressed now by a whole two month time frame and so therefore that's how short it is like so we we met in the February the year before, we met in around 18. it, yeah. and by July nineteen eighty nine, we were married. Right? Wow! So, a very short engagement, very short everything, um, and and that I, I think that's sometimes a good rule for I think if sometimes the engagement goes on for too long, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I don't think there's quote unquote much else to learn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think I think you. You have to be very, you know, the maturity is what I think is the big thing more than anything else, but you have to be ready to commit. And I, I think that was what was easy between the two of us. You know, I think we we both understood commit that commitment. Mm-hmm. So when we said yes, we, we, we teared up the receipt and threw away the warranty because, <laughs> you know, it wasn't good. Um, so I think that's why I think I, I personally... I uh, would do encourage, especially as you get older, mm-hmm. I do encourage people to have shorter engagements. I think younger yeah, people, yeah. if they get, if they, if they're very young, I think yeah. they should probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. young. It's it's really the maturity. And it was, you know, we were dating, and so therefore we kind of knew that. Yeah. And that's why I said it wasn't twenty one, twenty two. I was still in college. <laughs> twenty one, nineteen eighty four. <laughs> I was 21, 22. I got married when I was, it's true. That, thank you. <laughs> I got married when I was 20. Right? Yes, I got it married was because 20. it was 1989 <laughs> minus whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1964. Yeah. So, I mean, let's understand here, you know. And I, yeah. I worked three and a half years before I went home. Yeah. So, I was already 27. I'm getting on to 27. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I think. I think for me, like our, like, I would think I was engaged for like nine months and I hear about people being engaged for like years. And I just, I, I like, like you said, what, what are we, what are you learning? Like, yes, there's like a lot of logistical things. And maybe like, if you're younger, you're in meds or like, if you're in med school or if you're like in grad school, you know, like there are certain things like my husband's a teacher he's my husband I can say that now he's a teacher so we had to like figure out like timing and things but yeah like these engagements that go on years 
even when you're older, yeah. like you kind of know if marriage is what you want, you're in or you're out. And I think after a certain point, like when you're younger, kind of like what you were saying, like you get married when you're like 22, 23. It's like, of course, you're dating through college. You have like all these other milestones. Like it kind of makes sense to wait a little bit more. But after a certain point, especially, I mean, even if you are a little younger, but when you when you've dated for a certain amount of time, I feel like the question becomes like, why aren't we married? What are we waiting for? Like, what will more time give us? Like, yes. security? We'll never have that marriage. We, we had both graduated and we were both working, you know? Yeah. So it's, what's next? You know? Exactly. Yes. Oh, no. Make a, you know? And, and the thing is, the, the time clock is also moving for all of us. So it's not as if we're getting younger either. And they do say that having children uh, are for young people because when you get them and you're much older and trying to have kids and you're in your 30s, you know, running down a, a young child is a, a task. And, it's a lot uh, of work. <laughs> carrying them. Yeah. You know, you need your youth sometimes to do that and, and allow you to have the energy. To how how old was your mom when she was she even younger you. than you? She was 22, 23. I don't know the exact age, but I know she was younger. My mom got married at 17. Mm -hmm. And within six years, I was born. So we had five children in six years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my parents are pretty similar. (laughs) So so, so that, that sort of impressed me in the sense that you, I mean, if you find somebody that you love, you make up your mind, say, okay, can I live with this guy for the rest of my life? And um, are my children going to be good looking? And he passed the That's test. very important. So, yes, definitely. <laughs> the deal breaker. <laughs> and so therefore, we got married because um, looking at my mom, knowing that mining children is you know it takes a lot from you you have to have the energy yes definitely definitely so what was the first year of marriage like then like especially because because correct me if i'm wrong trinidad is very it's a very small island and even from the way you guys were talking like you moved in very similar circles and it sounds like your families are both very intertwined so did you guys stay in trinidad for the first yeah well, for how long were you there? And like, what was the first couple of years of marriage like? Um, the first year, uh, I I continued to work. Um, he continued to work, of course. And uh, I was working in, uh, it took me about 40 minutes to drive to work. And within that year, um, our first child was born. Mm. So we got married in July and she was born June the following year. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I did think that I would continue working. But then when the second one came along, I was like, no, this is not making sense to, to drive. Because the the thing is, if the child gets sick, if the anything happens right. at home, it's so away. So, um, I decided to leave that job and be at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, there are a couple of things that just to go back to a decision making item for marriage, there's an old tradition many for many years ago, people used to say they used to interview you and, and used to get counseling or guidance with regards to whether they had enough money to get married and so forth. I, I, I personally believe that's a, that that that's that's not a truism at all and i think you i think all that matters when you decide to get married is to decide you're going to struggle together period Mm. once you decide to struggle together it doesn't matter what type of jobs you have and so forth and then that similarly follows along with kids because now you hear people saying well we have to wait till we get certain salary incomes before we could have children i go you're going to be waiting forever you never will Staying at home that first year was, uh, uh, working that first year was difficult. We moved into an apartment and compared to the homes we used to live in, it was a lot smaller and so forth. 
Um, but it was temporary because we did when we yes. decided to get married, we started looking for a house right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we purchased a house. And then I was poor. We purchased a house. Yes, he was poor. <laughs> and then we had to renovate. So the house wasn't ready for us to move into. Uh-huh. So my brother Griff lent us an apartment, which was very teeny tiny, you know, very small. And um <laughs> I was quite happy in the small apartment, but he moved me out within uh, three, four months and into his mother's house. <laughs> that was claustrophobic for me. <laughs> wow. I mean, people always say, like, to that point, I, I think it's funny. There's been some people who have given, like, us advice, like, since we've gotten married. And they're like, well, like, no kids within the first three years. Like, you want to make sure you're, like, stable. Like, you know, you have to make sure like your salary's in place and like all these sorts of things. And I think you're right, Chris, like if you're in, in the same strain of like, if you wait for the perfect person, you'll be waiting a very, very long time. And I think even just hearing like my friends who are out there in the dating world and who are single, there's this like epidemic in millennials of a fear of commitment. And I see it so clearly now that I'm married and I get to like relax and you know see yeah. see what's going on because I'm fine um but I think the same thing with kids too I think even since getting married you know two whole months me and my wisdom um but like you know you it's so easy to give into the fear of like oh, oh well like well when we're stable and it's like, well, what's stable, right? Like when I have this amount or when, you know, you have this degree or this job. Yeah. And, and no, and I'm curious to that, like if you guys like, because everyone says the first year of marriage is the hardest. And I don't know if there were certain challenges that you encountered in your first year, or even your first couple of years. Um, I don't think yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the the thing was the understanding of uh you know, we all you know it was it was great, Aixa. I think we we just wanted we struggled through everything together. And one of the things that happened is even when we had our first kids, um that you know, people I still hear I used to still hear people going, Okay, this is my weekend, I'm gonna go out and oh, you yeah. stay home with the children and then the next week I'll be mine and we were like, That doesn't doesn't make sense yeah you know we are we are we are one and therefore you know we shouldn't be going out as if we were single anywhere else Mm -hmm. so when we went anywhere our kids went with us if we could once it wasn't some you know business party or something or the other cocktail reception but wherever we went it was always with the kids um i mean we we moved whenever like even when we did dates after we got married um the baby went along. Yeah. Whoever was the baby went along. Mm. We, if the toddler was running around, the toddler went by grandma or got a babysitter. But right. the baby always went along. Yeah, and so therefore, see. yeah, we would always only go to places where baby baby can go. I mean, mm. we went to movies and the baby went along. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That is, that's another thing that I've heard a lot too, is like a lot of couples have a hard time like giving up their life. You know, I hear from yeah. so many people are like, oh, I'm just, I'm not ready for kids. Like I, I have to do this or like, I have to do that. Like there's a lot of people who struggle with the transition from like single to married life. And like, even now, like with my husband and I, it's like, there are things that you have to learn like especially like we're in our 30s and we got married and so it's like scheduling is one of those things where I'm like oh that's right I I can't just do my own thing or like oh that's right I have to like we have to think as a unit and like that's something that's it's it's a muscle thing that you kind of have to like work at and get better at um but it's Um, yeah he's a lot and I'm the do it. And I, I, we still struggle with it. <laughs> I could, 
things to him and he's like but you didn't ask me but we didn't plan it properly and we have this and that and i'm like sorry yeah. so can we still do it <laughs> like the way you described your personalities would you say that like you've always kind of been this like compatible or was that definitely something that you guys had to like grow into like would you say your personality I, I, is complimentary or is that like in in certain things it complimentary works you know but in other things we clash and you just accept it and you know say sorry well there there's one <laughs> thing that someone you know people like Stenson and they have said which we've heard so many different times is that, and which is I express sometimes to couples, I says, when I talk to the dads or the husband, I says, let me tell you what your first job is, because this is what I learned. Your first job is to make your wife happy. End of the story. Yes. And the wife's first job is to make the husband happy. So if both of us are trying to make each other happy, then there are compromises that have to be done. And the things that you want to do, if she doesn't like to do it, then that comes first. It's the latter, not the former, and vice versa. So there, there's always compatibility in the question. Like I think Mahatma Gandhi once said, uh, you know, is that you can take down certain traditional things. Once you take the things down that don't cause the society to collapse. Mm. So in the case of married couples, yeah, the what we have to do is, which I try to also explain to couples, I says one of the things that we are doing, whether you like it or not, is you're actually building a new culture because she has to bring from her home, she does bring from her home what the things that she grew up with, and so do I. When we put them together, we form a different culture altogether. And parts of those things that we each brought are discussed, some of the things are discardable. You can say, okay, mm -hmm. this is what I used to do at home. I don't need that to do that, you know, to be happy. And I don't need that to. To, to become part of my married life. You know, I'll give you a simple example. Um, when one of the things that we did when we, we realized when we first got married and we had our house was that they live with all their lights on in their house, around the house, lights on, it's on, right? Security lights. And I grew up with my house lights completely being dark, you know? So my father would go around to off everything, right? And, and probably leave on one light. And that's so people used to pass our house because it was something that we did. And and, and the, the rational became behind it. Well, if we turn off everything, we actually save electricity, you know? So we have a smaller carbon footprint, but in fact, we're actually saving money. So once the house was secure and we could live with it, you know, it, it became something that she has actually adopted and we don't leave lights on. And people used to pass our house and go, are you guys home? And he goes, yeah, <laughs> why is he home? We don't need all the lights on, you know? So things like that you compromise on as, as, as you move along. And I think that's the important part is that we recognize as, as a couple mm -hmm. uh, or you recognize as a couple what's what's important and versus what can be discarded. And then you you, you are forming your own society, your own, your own culture. And I think that's where we sometimes run into problems with in-laws. Mm -hmm. And what was good about our in-laws, for me, I have never had any of the in-law problems that people talk about. Never. I do not know why, but I just didn't okay. because I think the only reason I could suggest is that uh, her mom and dad did not interfere. Just like they said, you marry her, she's yours. Don't bring her <laughs> home. Don't bring her back. Get upset. Too bad. You know? <laughs> uh, that's it. My mother, on the other hand, was a little different, which was fine. But I think I, because I was her first also where she was like the third marriage did marriage in the family whereas I was the first so right. of course my mother sort of kind of looking after me in a sense still because I'm still her oldest right. son and then right. the grandchild comes along so she's looking after that first one because that's her first one whereas our our first was like her dad and mom's like seventh or eighth or something like yeah. that yeah. right yeah. so th that that's what causes this disparity between the two things but then mm -hmm. as my mother was matured with us she realized okay that's your home and therefore she no longer you know tells me what to do and how to run things she was like a helicopter mom for a while yeah. you know i think that that changed also which is very important from her perspective that she recognized as we say in you've heard probably said you make your bed and you sleep in it right, right? so this is the 
made, you have to sleep in it. Don't come back to me and tell me you want the sheets changed or the mattress changed. Sorry. <laughs> you know? And I think that's that's important for married couples to to recognize is that you are creating your own entity, your own so little society. And that's what Scott Hahn wrote a book on, right? As the, the family is the first society. Yeah. That's what we are. We are our own little society that then helps to grow and develop ourselves as, 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 as adults and grow all these kids up to be able to go back out into the world to, to do and take their role and, and play their part. And I think that's what we, a lot of us have, many of us, I think, are missing. And, and we need to remember that. And I think that's why permanency comes along, is because if you recognize that you are creating something new and, and you do create that something new, it's yours. And, and, it's, and it's yours on a permanent basis. You can't just come into anybody's country, for example, and rip it apart and say, okay, we don't want to do this, we don't want to do that, and you want to throw it away. No, this is... This is this particular country's culture and you can't just come and disassemble it, you know, and we should feel the same way as couples that you can't, you, you've created something and as you get older, it, it becomes more definitive. It becomes clearer and, and, and you just can't say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to just discard all this and start all over. That just, and I think that's what, I, I don't know about you, her, Bernie, but for me, it, it scares the living daylights out of me to think of any other way to go anywhere else, you know, and, and I'm just being frank, you know. Yeah. Um, One of the things too, as the years went on, is that when each child came, they also, their personality mm -hmm. changed the family. Yep. Interesting. In those, well, I mean, I guess they say it too, right now, today. Um. You know, children should be in bed at seven o'clock. They should be sleeping and they should sleep on their own and they should be in their own bedroom, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, the question, you know, of course, being a, a first mom, the biggest fear is what, what do you call that? Sudden infant death. Oh, so yeah, yeah. to me, my, my solution to that was well, if the child is next to me, there wouldn't be any sudden infant death, right? Yeah. What the reason is and however it comes about, um, the child would be right next to me. So we never did that child in their own nursery. We mm. never did that. Plus the house didn't allow it either. <laughs> this massive 24 by 24 room and there was enough space. So the baby was over there and we were here. And the slightest noise, when a first when a baby is born, all of a sudden you don't sleep deep. That mm -hmm. baby makes one sound and you jump up. <laughs> that that's I did. <laughs> that's just how it works. Okay. He jumped up. I slept. So so yeah, the, the personalities change because like when um our first child was born, she just refused. To go to sleep at seven o'clock. So after a while, we just gave up. It's like, okay, she, what's the big fuss? You know? Mm -hmm. So the family, well, you know, um, it, it was a unit. So if, you know, we all worked with each other, tried to figure out each other's personality, you know? So that that's what makes the family grow. Yeah. You that's know? that's yeah. interesting. My, uh, my father-in-law recently, he's, we we weren't talking about kids or anything. Well, maybe we were talking about kids. Probably were because he his advice was uh, don't read any parenting books. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally good. agree. They do, they do have good ones. They mess you up. No, yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're like even even what I think about like when I think about having kids, I'm. And maybe this is just the personality that I am, or maybe this is just like the millennial that I am. There's a lot of anxiety because there's a lot of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like, am I messing up my child? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, if I don't give them the exact like emotional, mental, physical support that they need. Like I see a lot of, people pouring in like their entire beings into like one child and I think that's why that's probably why 
you do that per child, that's probably why you are like, when you think of having like five, six, seven kids, you're like, that's exhausting. Because when you have five, six, seven kids, you can't do that with each and every child. <laughs> like, so that's interesting though, what you said that like each child kind of solidifies like your unit, your ecosystem, like as a family. You guys have... It's a new ingredient. Yeah. In a sense. They, they a change another ingredient. They change the family culture. Yeah. The because you, you, you listen to that child. You, you allow that child to give the input because for us, Yes, the child, I mean, whether they're infant or five years old, the child has um, what they like and what they don't like, right? Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, I have to pay attention to what they like, what they don't like, and try to calm the drama around what they don't like, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and and yes, we were listening to and reading the books that we read were um, Jesus Urtiaga and Stenson's Lifelines, David Isaacs, um, Character Building. Yeah. Um, we read those books and those books helped us to understand what this little teeny tiny personality is <laughs> because the ultimate for, um goal in having children is to have an independent, responsible, virtuous adult. And if you give and pour yourself into uh, another being, that being is going to think that they're a king and a queen. And that's not what we want. That's not what we want. Mm -hmm. Right? Because a king and a queen, what do they do? They lord it over you. Right? Mm -hmm. So to us, we didn't want kings and queens. We wanted adults who were independent, responsible, thinking, and virtuous. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. had, because of the books that we read, we had the end goal. Yeah. I think it, I've heard so it's surprising, like when we got engaged, like, the amount of people like because then you know I feel like engaged people find engaged people and then you all start talking but the amount of people who were adamantly for like two or more two kids was like their limit two kids right. was all they wanted and when you think about the thing about siblings like I grew up in a big family and you guys have seven right seven kids and like the thing about growing up in a big family is that everyone kind of keeps everyone in check and it's almost as you have to become more detached from your parenting style because you yes. can't be as uh devoted or um micromanaging even for each child you kind of have to to let them do their own thing and let the siblings sort each other out in in certain areas and not all all the time but i think um I think there's benefits to having, if not more siblings, like being around an ecosystem where there are other kids for them to kind of understand what it's like to live in relation to each other. Um, but I'm also curious, yeah. do you feel your personalities changing with kids? Like, did you notice stuff in your marriage, to, like in your personalities and your dynamic even? Or was it all kind of even healed? Your personality does change does get affected. because in order for me to be able to direct this little being, I have to be more mature. Mm. I have to be more but I have to figure out what is best for this child. And I have to be able to listen, give and take. And if, because the thing is, children copy parents, right? You hear it all the time. I have no idea where she got that from. I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> when last did you look in the mirror, <laughs> right? Copy you, mm -hmm. okay? Now, the unfortunate side is how many hours a day do you spend with your child versus 
how many hours a day does your child spend with the television mm. or whatever. Because they will copy whoever, whomever they spend most time with. So for us, we didn't want that influence. So we intentionally turned that television off. And our rule was better the noise, better the argument, better the fighting than for the television to be the babysitter. We saw it and we knew that that was not an option. But you also provided the activity to help. Yes. You have to you have to put the activity where it is. Our kids love board games. Our kids love playing cards. Our kids love going to parks, like going on excursions or going down the islands or going up to the beach or whatever it may be. And doing those things, are, are, you have to substitute it, especially yeah. today. If you don't get them out of the house today, especially, it's very right. difficult anything else but one of the other things that we learned that you really learn in terms of affecting the personality is that uh, truly they say having children is an act of generosity so of course with every child you have it requires more generosity because you know if we sat down and added up all the money we invested in all these children that we had we would have had a heck of a lot more money today than than then sure. um, and, and you have to accept and learn to live within your within your means and guess who else learns those things the kids learn those things they learn well i i can't just want that because it it affects the whole family you know i can't just be the one that wants the the one thousand dollar gift and somebody will get the one dollar gift on the other side it doesn't work that way so within the whole group now we all learn this thing called you know um, generosity and that's to me is one of the things with larger families that you all come out more generous. You all come out willing to give more because you 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 smoothen out the rough edges in the house. You know, you learn to to live with each other. You learn to share. You learn to wait on each other. You learn to hold the door open. You learn to not take all the food from the the main dish and leave nobody and leave mm -hmm. everybody else with nothing because you're hungry. You know, um, so you have to learn to temper those those, those particular um, you know things like. Like, like your your hunger and so forth and you have to learn to temper those things because you have to let everyone else eat first and if there's anything left over then you can help yourself to seconds and thirds and so forth but other than that and and, and there was something you know with regards to expecting and planning for children you know i i, I think the supernatural outlook that if if children are truly gifts from god and which they are then why would god give you a gift without giving you all that was necessary for that child because the, right. the gift is not something that you have created in its own right no absolutely not you participated in an activity that is only a small small part and when in many ways because of course your soul being the more eternal thing and, and therefore if if you always see children as that gift from god then when things are difficult, you have to look up to heaven and you have to go, hey, you gave me this kid. I need help. Did you guys have like the exact same ideas on parenting? Like, were you on the same page or was there ever? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> you shook your head very hard. No. We felt very much different yeah. in many, Never. many situations. We have different um, views. And the thing was because I did more of the reading. Yes. I attended more of the courses because he was working, right? And um, so therefore, when it came to a difficult situation, he would kind of mostly, most of the time, refer to me to say, okay, how are we going to do this? Sometimes it was nice. He asked nicely. And sometimes he didn't. <laughs> but... I would have to do the same thing. It was more or less my, um, I took it on as my responsibility to figure out this parenting thing and then whisper it in his ears, like, you know, so-and-so said so-and-so and, you know, but definitely the Dr. Spencer, Sam Spencer, we both attended his courses, his lectures. We've met him mm. multiple times. So you do need to attend and read books, but very importantly, you yourself have to have a goal. You mm -hmm. have to know what you're looking for 
So therefore, you go after the people. I mean, the question is always in the, in the business world, they ask you, do you go to a doctor to find out what stocks to buy? Mm. Because the doctor is intelligent. He has a degree. He has a PhD in whatever. But he doesn't know about stocks. So you go to a parent whose style you like. And you look at their children and you say, I want my children to be like them. Hmm. You know? And so that's how we decided who to go after. That's smart. You there, know? There's a lot of parenting advice out there these days. And yeah. the advent of social media, you have so many people just giving advice. And I think that's actually, that's really important. That's, that's really important yeah. to find like trusted sources. And I think finding like a mentor couple is really underrated. And like, that's actually something that's super, super helpful is just like having, you know, someone who's, who's been through there and has like the results that you want, as opposed to just kind of reading, you know, like the French there's, I remember my cousin read like a French uh, parenting book and she like swears by it. I think it's called like bringing up a bit. Don't read it. many books that I did pick up and then going through it that's when I started running into the me me time and my time and this is how I am doing it and I'm like you're in a family so there's no me in you know so because yeah because the big question is if I am more important than the family when those kids get older Who's going to be more important? Right. Then how did you, because how long have you guys been married? How many years now? I can't do math. 34. 34 years. years. So how, like through the kids and through the parenting, how did you guys like stay as a, like a team? Like how did you keep that like friendship, that like team spirit, that like front of mom and dad? Like how did you keep the marriage solid? There were many, I would love to say months, but it weren't months, there were years where we went through struggles, not necessarily financial or anything. It was the struggle of who is going to make the decision in this situation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, so there were struggles, but again, the answer is the end goal, right? you know? Um, you keep the end goal in mind and know that this too shall pass. Right. And I think in that, in that mentality, kind of what you were saying before, Chris, that like that permanency, that was actually something that when I was going through Pekino with my husband, we were talking and that came up and it, I had this like light, if you will, but I really think a lot of, problems stem from the I there's this idea in like dating culture or not even dating culture just in culture in general where it's like oh if I don't like this like I can switch or you know if this marriage doesn't really work out then like uh, we don't have to keep going you know there's divorce there's prenups there's like you know there's not even marriage anymore it's just kind of like we'll just live together indefinitely um and I think having that end goal kind of like you were saying Bernie like when you are committed to something you're committed to getting your spouse to heaven you know there's this like come hell or high water like you know you have to figure it out there there is no choice like you have to figure it out I my mom and dad are from 10 mm. each a large number wow. of family uh, and when we started seeing things like divorce coming in, I remember going to cousins and saying to them, we, we have to stop this because it, it spreads. And sure mm-hmm. enough, as one divorce happened, another one comes along. But within our group too, there were some, there's some very, 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 we have excellent families um, at home for me where many of my cousins are very much married longer than myself and, and married for many years. 
um, and, and they have been good examples in, in that way. Yeah. Uh, so that was good by associating with the with the right people. So even with us, you know, if you hang out with people with big families, you're more than likely going to end up with a big family. You know, once right. you're generous with seeing it and all going, I can't do that. Yeah. The minute you say that, then yeah, it's you're going to be limiting yourself. But if it is you, you hang out with the people and, and you hear, as you put it, you know, you hear their models, you hear what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, what they would like to improve. You know, that, that helps you along the way too. And when you hear their rationale for why they have nine children or 10 children or 13 children, you scratch it and goes, I don't know how you get 13 and we're at seven, you know, but <laughs> I, I bought this weekend that has 14 or 13. I'm like, wow, that sounds like a real far throw for me, right. you know? But, you know, they're great examples and they're happy. Yeah. And you can see the wife very committed to each other. You see the affection of the kids amongst themselves. And, and those things are always laudable, yeah? And, 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 a, and a very good encouragement. So I said, for me, those are the things I have to stay close by, you know? And, and you have to hang out with the right crowd. You have to hang out with the right crowd. Yeah. Don't yeah. hang out with the crowd that encourage you to do the, the wrong thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think friends are friends are so important and it, it's not only like it makes such a big difference when you're surrounded by people that are trying to live the same way as you. And I think like I, I was I've been surprised at how much like pushback I've gotten or I should say we, my husband and I have gotten in like even I mean it's been two months. And there are already people who are kind of like, oh my gosh, like yeah, someone someone said at his bachelor party, I think it was like it's like something like it's all downhill from here. It's like and then kids come and it's just gonna get worse and you're gonna it's so hard. And they just couldn't understand why we were excited to start a family. And it's when you're surrounded by people like that, like of course you're going to slip up in one way or another or you're going to get really like bitter in your marriage and when you're kind of like I get why I used to not understand why people used to like flock to like schools of like-minded people but now I'm like oh I get it <laughs> like especially when you're bringing up kids and especially when you have a family like it's it's so important to make sure that like you're you have a community supporting you because it's really like marriage the vocation is hard enough itself it's even harder when it's just you and your spouse it's the original thought yeah. of a village yeah it right. takes a village it does yeah and that's what's great about Trinidad and was great because we don't have far to go so we would be able to see her mom on weekends and go by my mom on weekends we, my siblings were close by, her siblings were close by. And, and those things helped, yeah? Right. Although within our own families, we had issues. But, you know, it, it helped to go see your mom and dad. It helped to go see your mom, your, your mother-in-law and your father-in-law. It was good to be able to go by your brother-in-law for dinner, those kinds of things, yeah? It was very, um, it's very important. The community must still exist. And the village, even though it isn't, it's not like a location anymore, it's more so of like, you know, you have these like centers of like schools where people kind of gravitate towards. And I think that that's kind of what the village is looking like now when it says, when they say it takes a village. I think like we're, we're really excited to, you know, kind of find those pockets of you know, where yeah. we can just have people who we know our kids are safe with. Not that we have our theoretical kids. We don't have kids. Um, <laughs> theoretical children. Uh, and to be. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that is. It doesn't look the way it used to, but it's so it's so awesome when you do find. And I think that's why like churches, uh, parishes. Yeah. And, and you know good schools whether they're catholic schools or independent schools like it's so important to keep those alive and keep those going because they provide you know a foothold for the family to really bloom and flourish from out of there yeah yeah um, if you had one piece of advice to give to engaged or newly wedded couples like 
people who are just starting out, what would your one piece of advice to them be? For me, I would say have no fear and try not to plan too much because we are not in control. Always a good thing. It's a matter of taking what is there and doing the best with it. And as they say in business, I think you also have to expect change. You have to understand that it is a constant dynamic. It it does not sit still. You get older, and so does your spouse, so do your children. It's it's there is nothing that if you looked at our family ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, each view is different each view has a different set of dynamics and you have to expect that change the other thing though on the corollary to that is don't try to change your spouse oh. to what you want them to be that's no. just not going to work um for the last thing i was wondering if you guys could lead us in the prayer to marry mother of fairest love okay Mary, mother of fairest love, you are the mother of Jesus and our mother. Intercede for us with your son as you did at the wedding at Cana. Pray for us, fairest mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the mother, Mater Pulcre Delexionis the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so we may show each other love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs and intercede especially for we pray for young mothers who are very afraid, as you said, and they are not sure who to listen to. We pray that they find mentors. And for the guys, you know, that they learn to be courageous, um, have that fortitude uh, and that stick to itiveness um, to accomplish and pursue the things that will make their wife or their spouse happy. And be strong brothers. Absolutely. May we grow in love and come to know true peace and, and joy, joy now and, and in, in the, the life to come in, in heaven. heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you yes. for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Or visit us at fairestloveshrine.org.